Pat Kane is a mother, sustainability strategist and the founder of Reusey, Ireland's one-stop shop for sustainable living essentials. In this episode, she speaks to us about how the families of Ireland can join her Power of One mission to help create a better planet for our children's futures. So Pat, I know you best uh, for your company Reusey. Um, in fact, we recently featured you on the roller coaster series Mums Mean Business. And uh, even before that, my friends, like they get all of their baby products from there and like presents and that kind of thing. So um, you describe it as Ireland's one stop shop for sustainably made reusable goods. And it's also an educational hub on all things sustainable living. So my question is, why? <laughs> what was the catalyst for founding the company? What was the inspiration? Well, there you go. So thanks for having me, first of all. Um, so Reezy was born out of a personal need. Yeah. My background in, uh, is in my corporate, I guess, background is on customer experience. And I always say that as a customer, my experience, um, you know, trying to shop for sustainable goods in Ireland had been quite fragmented. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapor plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapors to soothe and comfort babies and children, helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label. So if you think of small shops or farmer markets, like not very consistent, you know, um, more Amazon orders that I'd like to admit, you know, so obviously not very sustainable. So it was all very broken, I guess. My customer journey was very broken. And um, I found myself pregnant of our second baby. We had been very good as a family. My husband and I are very conscious, you know, trying to live lightly and all of that jazz for long, many years. Um, and after I discovered, look, I'm going to have another baby. I said, you know what, I'm going to have nine months, 10 months of maternity leave and I'm going to use that to test a business idea. And I already had a baby. What could go wrong? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a different podcast altogether. Yeah. Um, but I said, you know what, I'm going to give these a go. If I have a problem, I believe others do, too, because I knew so many people trying to do better, you know, even before this, uh, you know, sustainable living became a thing or even before, you know, I don't know, it, it just, you know, it was such a hot, sustainability became such a hot topic. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like, look, I'm, I bet there is a market for that. And I spent basically my whole pregnancy, you know, looking for products and ordering samples and talking to suppliers trying really really hard to find suppliers in Ireland which at the time and believe it or not this is only what six seven years ago mm -hmm. you know it was very difficult you know like you could not find like um, a shampoo bar maker that easy which was crazy to think um so I said you know what 
gonna do it. So I obviously had my experience on customer journeys. I put the website together myself. It was very homemade looking, but worked for a year or so. It was our website, our first website. And um, four days before Connor, no, five days before Connor was born, Ryuzi was born. <laughs> so yeah, the website, I launched the website, was went live, you know, and I had friends placing orders and all of that. Uh, the first time we got an order from a stranger, aka not a friend or a family member, you know, it was an amazing thing. I had a newborn and I was like, who is this person? I was asking my husband, you know, his family, my friends. I was like, do you know this person? <laughs> Nobody knew. I was like, oh, my God, it's a stranger. <laughs> amazing. It's our first real customer, I guess. Um, so from there we grew in this space of like almost five years now live. Uh, it's crazy to think it's almost like half a decade if you put it like that isn't it it feels like oh my god um i had this realization in january like now uh, earlier this month and i was like oh my goodness but things have changed so much you know the the market has grown rapidly lots of other shops have opened and um i suppose it's a compliment it just goes to show that you know what that idea there was room for it you know people do want and now you see even big, bigger players, you know, big supermarkets, big retail shops getting on board with the idea. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I, I think like even talking about it now and thinking that sort of this rapid increase in the kind of sustainable products that is available to us now, um, we kind of take it for granted a little bit, even though it has only been recent. And that's kind of funny to think about it that way. And when you think back before then, you know, friends and family and other people who were living the sustainable, sustainable life were in the minority. And sometimes it was kind of like, oh, God, you know, rolling your eyes a, a little bit while you kept on throwing your plastic in the in the normal bin. But now there's been such a. um, People are really, really keen to do their part because we are inundated with reports on how uh global warming is affecting the world and and i think most people want to do something about it and do their best and i know that you said that your your family are very good mindful i mean it's just part of your sort of family life to live as sustainably as possible and i remember you saying um that your family goal is to replace everything that won't be recycled or composted with reusable alternatives and has that, how, has your children uh, grown up with that? Is that just part of their normal life? They are growing up with it. Um, I think there has been a great awakening, I suppose. And we have a lot of the, a lot to thank for, like the well, wellness movement, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. We have a lot to thank for there. Because, you know, with that whole thing of like looking after ourselves, looking after our children, our skin, you know, our health. It comes also looking after our planet. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we forget or we just don't know that sustainability goes beyond, you know, our natural world mm -hmm. and includes our people as well. You know, diversity, equality, inclusion, equal opportunities, gender equality, all of those things are part of sustainability. So when trying to raise our kids, obviously, we're no, by no means doing it perfectly. Perfect is not a word that we use often at all. 
I never, I always say we, we don't seek perfection, we seek progress, right? So, but as we're trying to raise a family in a more sustainable way, yes, we're trying to look into, you know, our waste. We're constantly auditing, like last weekend I was auditing our pantry. You know, what are the bits of, and bobs of leftovers that we had from Christmas? Let's eat that. Focus on that. Start with those, you know, because those are the bits that will probably end up in the bin if you don't use them soon enough, right? So um, I like to call the post-Christmas treasures that you find. But um, so that is obviously very important. The boys are very aware of plastic, of packaging. They are very aware, which is great to see, you know, in a, almost like a brainwashing way. But it's a positive <laughs> one, <laughs> I promise. But also, you know, looking at the world out there, you know, and trying to understand what, what gender equality is, boys. You know, um, watch, you know, like different races. I, I, I despise the, the word race because we're all one race. We're human, right? But like, that's how we, we call things today. You know, like, well, why do we all look different? And, you know, what's the difference here? So I try to bring books into the house also to bring that other element of sustainability in. You know, there is the same but different by Emma O'Neill. It's a gorgeous children's oh, book. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I would highly recommend you know, so that sort of thing is very important because you want the guys, obviously, and every children, I guess, to understand that, yeah, you have a planet to look after. You know, it's very important to be kind to that planet, but also you need to be kind one to another because together we will look after the planet and we can't do it properly if we're not thriving, if we're not getting the same opportunities, the same education, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Do you know, I never thought about it that way before. Yeah. I'm so glad that you've put it like that it's um really enlightening actually so thanks for that no, um, not at all. <laughs> um have you always thought that way I mean has has it been something that you grew up with yeah. you're from Brazil I am yeah from and Rio. yeah oh that's yeah that's okay I'd love to know <laughs> um but like is that something that you were aware of as a child or what, what you know how did it how how has it gone from your childhood mm. to now and how you're bringing up your own children? I suppose I come from a family, and that's going to be funny now, of <laughs> mostly women. Oh, right. You know, um, grandmother, lots of aunts and then lots of girl cousins. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my boys and my sister boy, they're the first boys in the family after a long time, a long period with only women. Mm -hmm. So um, I was born and raised by these incredible ladies, you know, we had uh, our family businesses in Brazil. Family business, I guess, was a, a private school chain, right? Uh, so there was always an element of humanity, of people, very strong, very, very strong. My grandmother um, worked at the school uh, in her heydays. And, you know, we always thought that woman, who was obviously much older than us, were like, outspoken and again we're talking about 20 30 40 years ago right the like so very outspoken very much into the whole equality into the whole like you deserve the same as a boy would you know so fight for your rights be a, you know talk about what you're thinking and you know be creative go out there and do it so I think from that point of view yeah that was always there and that very same grandmother she was very into nature you know, her house, we had a vegetable patch, we had animals not to be eaten, but just to coexist, I guess. You know, she had quails, she had bunnies, she always had dogs. So it was a fabulous upbringing in that sense of like very connected to that 
not necessarily only natural world, but that human element that, you know, something that brings us all together. It's like human, human, humanity, I guess. I don't know what word to use. But yeah, so there was always something like that. We were born and raised by the sea. So, you know, we, de- we never had a backyard because we were raised in apartments, mm-hmm. but we had the ocean right in front of us, which was amazing. So nature was always a part of my life. You know, I suppose when I grew up and graduated from college, I went to live in Jamaica working for an Irish business. And that's where my connection with Ireland began. Mm-hmm. So again, in a, in a beautiful Caribbean island. So it was always there, that respect for it, you know, and respect for the human beings around so I think yeah that was always there mm-hmm. and was I mean did you make a conscious effort to you know not use plastic or to or did that come later mm, that was later Um, you know I would be lying if I told you I was born like this yeah. I don't think there was <laughs> any consciousness around the 80s no that's know? right I mean we talked about it briefly just before we came on air that it's just when we were growing up there wasn't the same conversation mm-hmm. So, you know, the relationship that we have with products is just going to be very different from uh, the one our children have because we're going to be teaching them. Hopefully so. Yes. Yeah. This conversation of like, guys, we use, we like there were things happening because, you know, the way grannies did things in a much more, I suppose, optimized way, you know, they would cover leftovers with a plate or with a kitchen cloth. You know, they wouldn't think about like cling film and things like that. So, yeah, they were doing certain things just naturally better but I don't think that conversation was actively happening right um so I think really things changed for me when I went to move um abroad when I moved abroad and was living by myself Mm -hmm. yeah I was 23 I was like right how am I going to do this and when I started to notice that my old ways were generating a mountain of waste every day every week every month I was like what I'm, I'm just one person is this normal and you know when you don't leave when you live with your parents and all you don't have well at least in the past we didn't have that you know the rubbish wasn't in the spotlights it's like let me see how much rubbish we generated this week because you were not the one taking it out and you know watching it but then when I moved like abroad to live by myself, I started to notice, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to do better. Mm -hmm. And then things changed. Now, relationship with shopping, you know, fashion and all those things came later. Mm -hmm. Because when you put a 23-year-old living abroad, you know, close to some of the best shops in the world, we had America (laughs) just across the road, basically across an ocean. And earning your own money for the first time. Earning your own money, (laughs) like, you know, good money. Yeah. Obviously, I lost it (laughs) you know I'm not even gonna sugarcoat and um, over the years I was like oh my god that's a lot this feels like too much plus I'm spending so much money is that normal Mm -hmm. and things started to fall into place right Mm -hmm. so I can safely say by the time we moved to Ireland which is almost what 12 13 years ago you know the I was in a very different space by the time I got married even you know, uh, we were in a very different space. Uh, Stephen, my husband, he's from Monaghan. Mm-hmm. And I like to joke, he's a surfer from a landlocked county <laughs> because he loves surfing, right? Uh, so he always lived in a very minimal way, very, I suppose, conscious, um, just easy. He wasn't a guy for luxury or anything like that. You know, he's not. So, and that helped me as well to, you know, I suppose, tone it down and just, you know, find our pace which was it's been amazing Mm -hmm. 
you know, so he's fully on board with the idea, which helps a lot, yeah. you know, yeah. when you're raising children mainly. Oh, but like I'm um, just talking now, you, the image in my head now is, you know, the, the two bins I have in my tiny kitchen because we live in a small house in Dublin city center um, that doesn't have a garden. So I feel like that has restricted me from doing certain things like composting just say we don't do it because I'm like how can we do it do they collect though where you are no no well maybe they do like I've never looked see that's another thing yeah. I haven't looked into it but I never see any of my neighbors doing it mm. um but then you know so we have our general waste bin and a, a box of recycling stuff and that recycling stuff fills up daily milk cartons you know plastic uh, water bottles I'm so bad for buying sparkling water I need to get a soda stream or something but all of these things that I'm actually ashamed of even admitting that the, the you know the convenience things that I just that just generates this but can waste I say, you're seeing shame I'm seeing opportunity okay I'm seeing an action plan here right you know like <laughs> it's not it's not something you should be ashamed of because you are acknowledging you know so you know it's you can't change. It's it's a matter of like, right, you can't change all at once. I think that I've tried and it was an epic fail. You know, when we started, we run this house audit. Stephen and I, just before we had our first child, we're like, right, we're going to do it better. This baby's coming. We have to do it better. And then we had to do it again because we, we could not imagine, I suppose, or plan for the amount of rubbish a baby would generate. Not a oh. baby, but like, you know, raising a baby. And oh, but our, our bins got so heavy after so having Fionn because of the nappies. Yeah. yeah. The plastic nappies. There, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's work on that. So, you know, look into your kitchen first and what can you do better? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's looking at it from a place of love, not shame. And yeah. it's like, this is my action plan. I'm looking at a load of opportunities here. You know, is it your fridge? Is it your, you know, fizzy water? Mm -hmm. What is it? And then starting one by one. Because otherwise you feel that overwhelmed, the eco-anxiety and all of those things that, yeah. you know, like they, they're not going to help you. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say, just going back to your comment about how the older generation is in like maybe our grandparents who would act uh, a bit more sustainably with without knowing it you know put, placing a, a plate over leftovers or whatever like that and it's funny thinking now that there's kind of a movement to go back to the old ways as in use um uh glass baby bottles I've been encouraged to do that. My son actually never took a bottle, so it wasn't an issue for us. But uh, glass bottles instead of plastic. And, of course, the cloth nappies. Now, people are very nervous about cloth nappies because of, well, the obvious, yeah. having the upkeep, the, the main debris. maintenance. Because of debris. Yeah. You don't want to deal with the debris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can you do, can you actually just tell us a little bit about them I mean I'm fascinated as in how to actually do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> so what I always say when people ask me what did you do you know I'm very um I suppose honest my first baby obviously first of all I only found out I was pregnant I was four and a half months <gasps> Yes, I know. I know. Oh. It was just crazy. It's a long story, but everything was fine. I just, I 
had never got pregnant before, so I didn't know. Yeah. And I had a bit of a period. I don't know, maybe TMI here. No, no, no. But, oh, there's um, no TMI in this podcast. No, good, good. <laughs> Thanks, moms. But, um, you know, I was running. I, I used to run long, like long distance with my husband. And, you know, I just, I was working so hard. I never thought about it. And then boom, one day my mom kept saying, I think you look different. I think, and this is like through Skype at the time. And I was like, you're mad, you're mad. No, that, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And suddenly yeah, four and a half months. So to, to us, having a baby was a, like a crash course, a pregnancy crash course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I had four and a half months, five months, whatever it was to go when I found out, um, you know, and then suddenly you're a parent. You're like, oh my goodness. So we went straight into plastic nappies. And I was like, okay, because this is what I can do right now. This is my headspace. Then I learned about the eco nappies, mm -hmm. which are made from biodegradable materials. They are not plastic. They're bioplastic. So it depends on what you buy. But like, okay, they're a bit better. And as time went on, you know, I learned about the reusable nappies. And I was like, oh, but I don't want to deal with the leftovers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Let me get a few. And I'll see what happens. And that's me. I was working. I was, I was working in corporate. I was traveling a lot. You know, I was very, very busy. Um, he was going to crash at nine or ten months. He went into crash. And crash was like, absolutely not. Okay. You know, because, no, we're not dealing with that. Um, so I got the weekends. And I said, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not, a, it's not as a hard, it's not horrible. It's period. It's not horrible. Yeah. You know, final stop, not period. <laughs> um, so basically what I did was we were home for the weekend and I would be like, right, we're going to try this. I would put them, the, the nappy on, just, you know, followed all the steps, have my liners and everything done and ready to go. Um, and he was, yeah, starting with a little number one. A little number two. Every time there was a number two, I was like running. I was like afraid of the thing running all, all <laughs> over the place and dirty in the house. But, um, you know, you simply get used to it. So every time someone asks me, and then the second child was much different. Obviously, I had a very good grip on that. But um, every time someone asks me, so what did you do? And I always say, look, I started with the weekends. And to be honest, not even the nights. I wasn't doing nights on reusable nappies because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to sleep. Yeah, we were both worked in very high pressure jobs. So I was doing during the day, we were going out. I wouldn't put him in a reusable nappy at first, you know, to drive from here to Claire. Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't mm -hmm. because who knows what's going to happen in the car and what a nightmare could be. Fine. But we were home. I was doing it and you know, going to the shops, running errands, whatever it is, just to see how. So parents sometimes come in and they're like first time parents and like, OK, we're going to just do it. Is it crazy? And I was like, start small. Get the Econapis. Definitely better than some of the traditional plastic ones that you will know. I don't have to tell names here. But, you know, Econapis could be anything from Econati. Can I give names? Yeah. So Econati or Kit and Kin from Emma Bunton, the Spice Girls. You know, these Is two. Is that Emma Bunton? Yeah, she's one of the owners of the company. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So these two brands would be my go to when I had my boys. And, you know, it's just easy. They are biodegradable. They can't go into your composting bin. They still go into the general waste bin, but they are better in terms of like there's no plastic, as we know, petrol based plastic, yeah, fossil fuels, I guess. 
So, um, and I say to them, get those, start with those. When your baby's tiny, tiny, they, they're little ones and twos, they're so small, mm. you know, it's a great time for you to get yourself used to those reusable nappies. That's but, true. You know, yeah. it's only a tiny little thing. It yeah. looks huge, but like, wait till they grow up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that's actually, that's such a good point because especially for first time parents who, I mean, I didn't know how to change a nappy no, when I had either. my yeah. son, like no idea. I had to be taught by the mm-hmm. midwife. Same. But then again, you know, if I, if that was new to me, then why not do the, Just the reusable nappies well, then? Yeah, as you said, it's actually I would say more na- manageable. A little bit, at least during the day, because you are tired. Well, yeah. You are like, you know, it, things are bonkers, right, for a while. It has while. to be the partner's job to it do the washing. Um, yeah or at least <laughs> scrape the debris in the toilet yeah <laughs> you know in plush um so o- o- once you learn the steps it's very easy but i think it's that first you know it's the start mm-hmm. you know that's the scary part but like i always say if you have a newborn start during the day you know maybe for a few hours during the day a few first nappies of the day just so you get used to it and if you're not feeling comfortable and during the night you're going to be tired waking up in the middle trying to feed the baby changing it's a lot i get it so you know use your eco nappies so I think a balance until you feel more confident and you can then obviously migrate to fully reusable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to remember, you know, one reusable nappy is already better than a plastic nappy. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing one a day, you're already saving something off landfill, right? Yeah. So, you know, give yourself a tap on the back for small steps as well. I think that's important. Well, I'd actually want to talk a bit more about that because it's something on my mind and the way you say it there makes sense. There's That's one less item on mm-hmm. landfill. But I think the question or the worry that parents have or anyone um, is that, you know, what's the point? We're just small people in a huge world. Does the small changes that we can make actually, like, will they actually make a difference? Yeah, always got, I always get that question. Yeah. But, you know, that question to me, I have two ways of answering. Sometimes when people ask in a very ironic way, I'm like, well, then sit on your hands, I suppose, you know, let's just wait and see what happens. Obviously not the case here. What I would say is, you know, um, collectively, yes, we can make a difference. So one thing is for you and I here sit and it's like, look, we're going to do everything perfect. But the world around us is not moving on with the times, right? That's a problem. But what we are seeing is interest is, you know, concern, it's uh, even the anxiety that we mentioned there, you know, these things are growing. So people are getting on board, people are trying better. And you know what, supermarkets, shops, pharmacies, they are offering better options, which is really, really important, right? One thing is for me with my business, Reusey, to try and make a difference, it's going to be slow. We are a niche business, right? We we can only do so much. There's only so many people who listen to a niche, I suppose, shop or, you know, business. The other thing is if you get the big players out there, the big supermarket chains, the Germans, the English, the Irish ones, you know, them getting on board and offering better options. That's fantastic because their reach is enormous, mm-hmm. right? So, but what I would answer, like, if you're talking about individual change, right, I always use the toothbrush as the example. You know, in Ireland, let's say 4 million people brush their teeth every day, okay, for the, just for this calculation. Mm-hmm. 
We are told by dentists that we have to swap our toothbrushes every three months, which means if we were to follow that advice, we would be having four toothbrushes going into landfill every year per person, right? And mind you, toothbrushes are not recyclable because you have nylon bristles, you have silicone, you know, grip, you have that hard plastic body. So it's a mixed material. They are not recyclable. So... You and I today, just the two of us here, we generate, in theory, eight toothbrushes every year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you multiply that, those four toothbrushes that we have by F, each individual, in theory, would be going through every year by four million. That's 16 million pieces of plastic, non-recyclable plastic, mm-hmm. ending, in, ending up in landfill, right? So It's actually so scary. It's scary, but you know, it's one tiny change, super inexpensive and something that we have to do no matter what. We have to brush teeth. So if collectively we were to adopt a better habit in that specific item, just that little thing, we would generate a, you know, a positive impact because we would be removing from landfill a ton of plastic that will be incinerated or it's going to be you know, just throwing landfill or end up in our oceans, God knows. Mm. Who knows, right? And what's the alternative? Like a bamboo? You have bamboo toothbrushes. You have bioplastic toothbrushes that are not using plastics Mm -hmm. when they are produced because they're made from plants or whatever it is. You know, bamboo toothbrushes obviously are ideal because you can compost them, right? I have Um, a bamboo toothbrush, actually. But I also have an electric one because I need to, um, you know, deep clean. (laughs) But that's fine. You see, some of the electric ones, you buy the very good one that will last you. You know, the, the base will last you very long and the heads right now we even stock some they are made from sugarcane yeah instead of plastic so people say oh but they end up in the black bin correct they will but let's think of the life cycle of that toothbrush head at the very beginning there was no plastic used to make it it was sugarcane pulp you know so obviously they use different things to put that together i don't know the technicalities here but you know it is Still, it's a better option. We're not rely- reliant on plastics. Mm-hmm. So it's all about that. So if we can collectively adopt better habits, your fast fashion, can you shop mm-hmm. secondhand? Can you swap? Can you, you know, whatever it is, you know, can you mind what you have and wear what you have, you know, and be creative with it? So all these little elements, food waste is another one, you know, how can you avoid food waste? Can you shop less but more often so you don't have stuff left in your fridge? There's all these areas that we can do better. And collectively, we will make a difference. And I think by us doing it, then our children are seeing us doing this. Big time. And it just becomes normal to them. That's the way they know. Yeah. 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 I mean, my friends were laughing uh, recently because Penny's has announced its Click and Collect service, new website. And they were, um, yeah. And they were laughing about, oh, I wish we had this in college because and then I remembered some people I know would get a new outfit from Penny's every week to go out and just like wear it once. And then their their um, wardrobes would just be full of this like fast fashion pile of clothes that they would just, you know, yeah. And. I mean, I know it's brilliant now. There are fast fashion outlets, including Penny's, I think, that have these yeah, bins in the uh, shops that you can recycle your clothes. Because I did a big clear out over COVID and I went to bring my clothes to a clothes bank, you know, the, the ones I couldn't donate. 
and they were gone. Like two closed banks around my area just disappeared and there was no alternative. So I did bring them to the, um, I think H&M or Zara or something like that, just to have them going somewhere. And obviously I wasn't going to be dumping them in the in the black bin. Um, but yeah, just just thinking back at those days where pe- where people were so, I suppose, flippant about just mm. buying things. Yeah, um, that was a Celtic Tiger days as well. That's what I always say because people say to me, "Oh, this argument of fast fashion, you know, in your shops like Penny's, for example, you know, it's such a classist um, argument." And I'm mm. like, "But you know what? Um, there is nobody who is really str- like." The people supporting shops like Pennies and chains like Pennies, they're not the ones struggling the most. It's you and I, people with jobs, you know, who just feel like wearing something different, feel like jumping on a trend, you know. Like, I think there's two fa- two sides to fast fashion, right? Some people will shop there because it is what it is. That's all I can afford, all I can afford, and that's where I'm going to shop. Mm-hmm. And that's fair enough. You can't judge that. The problem we have here is with people who are shopping like this person you knew in your past, you know, who's like, I'm just going to buy something else for the crack, you know, and never look at it again. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just discard it, you know, with, with no feeling of guilt or anything at all. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that overconsumption. And, and they do stimulate that because, you know, you can't produce, like I think H&M or one of those, they produce three billion pieces of gar- garments every year. It's like you can't or like Sheen, they launch 4000 new styles every week or something crazy. You know, you can't do these and not think that you're not stimulating overconsumption. So that is the problem we have with fast fashion. You know, if you have to shop there because that's all you can afford, you know, that's fine. Obviously, what can you say? Nothing. Yeah, it's thankfully they exist and you can afford that. But the other side is. The, the the madness that it creates, you know, that's the whole thing that as soon as they reopen after the pandemic, people are queuing up since 4 a.m. to buy pajamas. And I you're know, like, oh, why? What, what's happening here? How, how were you sleeping before? You didn't have any pajamas <laughs> during the entire pandemic. <laughs> I mean, in that instance, I feel like it was people just getting this like injection of life. Euphoria. Normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just Who knows? buying something. Um and feeling good in it. I mean, mm-hmm. there has there. I, I kind of give them a break for that, even yeah. though I would never queue up. <laughs> no, <just laughs> for, from four a.m. Anyway. Four a.m. Oh anywhere, anywhere, like for anything. No. <laughs> but I think that's another part of the story of sustainability, as in accessibility. Some people, for some people, um, living sustainably just is is harder because of their circumstances. Um you know, what they can afford, how they can afford to, to live. And as you said, you know, some people, they need the fast fashion outlets mm-hmm. just to, to wear anything, you know, to for their children's school shoes and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's obviously another story and another problem. But I think for some people, living like, living sustainably is just, is sort of far-reached. It's it's not their biggest issue their biggest problem even though in the long run it is yeah. um because you know what we're talking about here is when it's the planet we're living on now but it's also the future and where our children are going to live and you know i don't want my son to blame me and our my generation 
for, you know, creating an even worse mess than we're in now by not doing anything, even though we know what we know, what you know, we know so much about it now. So, I mean, is it's education, I suppose. I think, you know, there are a few, I'll unpack all the stuff you said. Mm. But like when it comes to trying to live more sustainably, I was chatting to someone the other day. You know, sustainability is not a product. Mm -hmm. Sustainability is a lifestyle, right? So even if you can't afford that organic cotton T-shirt that is like looks great and I'm sure it's going to last loads of time. It's going to be awesome, much better than the five quid pennies T-shirt, you know, similar um, version. That's okay. So what we're saying is, right, you don't need to buy something new to say oh now i'm living sustainably mm -hmm. no we're talking about you're you are going to buy fruit and veg for your house don't get the plastic bags just buy the loose ones mm -hmm. you know you are going to buy a toothbrush because you have to buy as we just said you know choose a better option you know it's looking at what you can do today you know um, it's that attitude of like if i don't need I'm not buying or if I can be more respectful in some sense to the planet by not littering, you know, you're not buying anything. You're just not littering. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. So I think it's adopting better habits rather than buying new things, you know, because buying things is not a sustainable thing. You know, the most sustainable stuff in general, clothes, you know, you know, anything, homeware, anything at all that you have is the stuff you already have. Mm -hmm. So and that's going back then to to be sustainable and to become a more sustainably minded person. It, all you need is, a, is that mindset, that lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a product. So I think that is an important argument there. Um, and yeah. You were saying, oh, you know, we need to look after this planet because, um, you know, it's, it's here for our children. Um, but at the same time, I always use Brazil, my home country, as the example. You know, some people, they're living in extreme poverty in slums. A guy or a woman, they live in there, you know, they can't think of their if their food is organic. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're not thriving. How will our planet thrive? Yeah. So and that's why I keep saying, you know, sustainability goes so much beyond that clean oceans and clean forests. It goes into that human element. So how can we also contribute for people in general to, I suppose, thrive out there as much as we can? Obviously, we can't impact the lives of people in Brazil right now or in Africa. But like, what can you do? You know, can you contribute to your own community, to your local charities? Can you help someone with education, give them a hand? Whatever it is, you know, give an opportunity at work if you are, you know, in a position to give someone an opportunity and that sort of thing. I think that's very important because at the end of the day, you know, going back to our children, one day someone said that, right? One day we're going to be asked, you know, what did you do once you knew? And we want to have a big, long list of like, well, hold my beer or <laughs> hold my glass of water, yeah. whatever it is. I don't drink beer. <laughs> you know, let me tell you, this is everything I did. And I want to be able to say like, you know, hopefully things will be better and I'm happy that I got to contribute to it. Um, and I want them to know that, look, I didn't sit on my hands and did nothing waiting for someone to fix the problem for me. I went and did something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you know, that is, again, a, another enlightening thought, uh, Pat, about, you know, to make a difference and to thinking about the planet, you have to think about the people on the planet mm -hmm. and what you said about how can somebody who's not thriving contribute is like a hit home. It's so true. 
and gosh, it's like really made me think and uh, I'm going to think even more about how in that way I can help as well as changing habits in my own house. Um, so my God, thanks so much for bringing that up. That's a brilliant point. Um, so just for somebody like me who is kind of trying what they can do but also leads this busy life and it's kind of you know looking after kids and working and life is hectic but still wants to make steps to living more sustainably how would you what what's your advice to starting where are we talking about individuals moms just say a family a family yeah So I think a good way, we're all going to the shops this weekend, right? Mm -hmm. The coming weekend, whenever that is. Um, You know, get your kids to come with you or if you're bringing them anyway, it's brilliant. And it's like, look, guys, we need bananas, right? If you look at any banana counter, let's call it, in a supermarket today, you will see loose bananas. You will see those with a paper belt around them and you see the ones in plastic bags, right? And you say, guys, which one should we bring home? you know, and um, let them pick one. And he's like, why'd you pick that, little Johnny? Oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, Well, they're going to give you the explanation. And the point is, you're going to take that opportunity to try and educate them. It's like, see that one that has plastic. We don't need that plastic, don't we? Why why, why is plastic bad? Because that's going to go into the bin. So it's small, tiny little lessons. Or if you're out at a park, you know, with them, it's like, can you do a little bit of a cleanup? You know, maybe don't get them to collect things with their bare hands. Please don't, actually. But, you know, show them, look, there's a a plastic bottle there. Bring a little bag with you, you know, and just throw in the bin there and then just so they can see, "Mm, I can help. Oh, maybe then this is a, that looks like it's a bad thing. If my mom, my dad, my granny, my aunt, if they are cleaning this up, I suppose, you know, that's the right thing to do, you know, and getting those small lessons ingrained in your day to day and talking about them because at times we are bringing great things into our homes, but we're not talking about the whys, right? It's like, why did you bring this instead of that? Oh, see there's a message there oh very good and you know little by little those messages will get to and kids will just understand that this is the normal yeah at least in yeah. your home you know it's learning by example and yes i suppose we do it in other ways in our homes as well so yeah. it makes sense to do it that way yeah. you, you tell them to flush don't they yeah like please flush uh, every time you use it it's the same wash your hands it's the same let's not buy plastic that's it becomes normal yeah uh, well, I mean, it's it's a simple tip, but it's one that needs to be mm. given out. So thanks. Yeah. Um, so I know that Ryuzi, am I saying it right? Yeah, Ryuzi. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's Esperanto. It's Esperanto. It means reuse in Esperanto. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that. Um, so it is a shop. You can buy products on it, um, like the reusable nappies, um, Pro, uh, products for weaning and that kind of thing. personal care yeah we have yeah. not just baby things there's no no there's household products cleaning yeah. products you name it yeah. yeah um it's brilliant and it's also an educational platform yes. where there's some information about various i thought eco bricks i saw yeah we have eco bricks because yeah. eco bricks were a big thing when we started there was one one ngo here collecting eco bricks which is basically like an empty coca-cola bottle packed with obviously clean soft plastics mm-hmm. like you know your uh, 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 chips with a uh, crisps bags or chocolate wrappers that sort of thing mm-hmm. but uh, since since this charity they've closed the the whole 
I suppose, initiative around EcoBricks. But we still have that up on the website because people ask us, you know, can I build something? You actually build bricks with those bottles. They get so hard, so full with soft plastics that you can build stuff. In our HQ, we have like little benches and little um, stool chairs made from plastic bottles packed with stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And it's such a brilliant way. Um, to recycle or reuse just to avoid the waste hitting landfill yeah obviously now we can recycle soft plastics i always say the message should be let's avoid them but if they do exist well then now we can recycle but um before that eco bricks were very very strong because of the whole like what do i do soft plastics i can't recycle We have a lot of like blog posts that are educational. Our social media is packed with tips as well. Um, I personally work with a lot of businesses doing lunch and learn sessions. You know, I go around a lot. Like if you think of a business, I've probably been there over the past five years. Um, you know, I went back to school to educate myself, seek formal education on sustainability mm-hmm. with the newborn. Back in 2018. Good for you. Yeah, it was That's very not intense. Easy. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so, and I've been doing a lot of refresher courses as well since because it's it's such a new subject in so many ways. So it's important to keep learning. So um, I do, I run lunch and learns. I, I run events, uh, talks, and then I work with companies on their missions and visions and action plans to up their sustainability credentials as well. Amazing. So it's been growing, it's been going really well that side as well. Well, it's brilliant that you're out there doing it and yeah. it's brilliant that businesses are, are contacting you as yeah. well and they want to learn and uh, educate their themselves. That's um, it. It's really great. So where can people find everything that you've just said okay <laughs> so we are on social media reusy.ie so r-e-u-z-i right reusy dot i-e we're on instagram we're on tiktok oh, oh really so, yeah <gasps> but not doing dances because we can't cope with that <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on facebook on linkedin uh, i think that's it uh, you can find me on i am pat kane i a m Pat Kane, K-N-E, uh, on Instagram. And uh, I have a website, which is patkane.co. So that's us. You can find somewhere in there you find us. I just have to say, I love your Instagram, your own Instagram page. Ah, I saw you doing little... Um, Christmas decorations oh with the toilets oh I loved them I tried it myself I didn't have that much time but I collected a few and then uh, attempted it you can still do yeah I I am because they're they're kind of they're cute yeah they're so cute like little snowflakes yeah Yeah. gorgeous I have them in my office now yeah so cute and yeah well that's the good thing about them they can be used all year (laughs) that's it well thank you so much for coming in and joining me today and uh giving me some us like me and our listeners so many brilliant ideas and insights so um i hope that it's going to benefit families all around ireland thank you so much appreciate that thanks so much for listening to this episode of a little birdie told me if you enjoyed it we have so many other amazing episodes for you to go back and listen to wherever you get your podcasts and while you're there make sure to like us and hit subscribe Don't forget to tune in again next time. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapor plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapors to soothe and comfort babies and children, helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The nightlight emits a soft light to help comfort your child and guide you in the room so that you don't disturb your sleeping child. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. 
Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label.